for the week of February 2nd, 2020. This is Star Wars TV Talk, where we dive deep into every Star Wars TV and Disney Plus streaming series, as well as all the latest news coming out of Lucasfilm. This week, as we eagerly await the mid-February premiere of the seventh season of The Clone Wars, we continue our review of the final episodes of Star Wars Resistance. Today, we are discussing Season 2, Episode 14, The Mutiny, and Episode 15, The New World. And to help me cover this is John. John, how you doing? Uh, doing better than Obi-Wan, apparently. Uh, the, the intertubes are all a Twitter with the latest drama in the world of Lucasfilm and their upcoming productions. I think the show notes say that we want to hit on this, so I'll throw back to you. What do, what do we want to break down about that whole thing? Well, the news that we have, it's, it's kind of back and forth, right? Like you have, this is the end of the world for Obi-Wan and some, some outlets are reporting that, no, it's just, you know, the writer is parting ways. So that's what we know. We know that the writer has parted ways with this specific project and that the script is being reworked. But we also know that this isn't necessarily new for the Disney era of films. We've seen this happen with a number of different uh, Lucasfilm projects. However, you know, you can read into this one. This could be different than some of the more positive ones that we had, like let's say Ron Howard with Solo and of course the rewriting of the third act of Rogue One. Mm-hmm. But that's what we have. We have that there's some drama once again coming out of Lucasfilm. You can you can cry. The sky is falling. You can do all that. Uh, there are some outlets are reporting that Filoni might be attached. We don't know. We still don't know exactly what Deborah Chow was doing with the project. But I haven't seen anything that suggests that her role in all this is threatened. I mean, do we even know what her role was? I was under the impression she was set to direct the whole series. So effectively, you know, kind of a showrunner type of role. Mm-hmm. But I, I think if we're going to frame this properly, we should probably separate all the commentary and analysis and assumption mm-hmm. from the very scant few facts that we actually have about this, just so that we're not kind of blending the two as we discuss it. As far as I can tell, the only official you know, confirmed from multiple parties through reputable outlets like Collider and the Hollywood Reporter or Variety, or, you know, a couple of the premier outlets that, you know, were willing to responsibly try to figure out what was going on. I believe all that we know is that the production was put on hold, the pre-production work that was going on. So they did have boots on the ground, probably working on sets or, you know, just beginning the, the initial phases of, uh, pre-production for the project, uh, before they really got off and running, they were all kind of sent packing and told, you know what, like (laughs) go do something else for a while. We gotta, you know, we gotta put the brakes on this for the time being. So other than that, and the fact that they are going to move forward with a new writer and, a few people close to the project who you would think would be in the know have said in vague terms that it really just comes down to maybe a script issue and, uh, wanting to make it as great as it possibly can be. That's really all we've gotten from official channels. Is that the full story? Of course not. But if we're going to be responsible, we should lay that out up front and then we could speculate from there so that people know clearly, you know, can delineate between when we're reporting and when we're actually just, you know, trying to make heads or tails of what all that could mean. So that's all I really know about it. Um, what, what do you think this boils down to? What do you think's going on over at Lucasfilm? 
I think that it's I think it's something that that came down to the script that there was something that wasn't necessarily valued as much as the writer wanted Lucasfilm to value. And when it comes down to that, when you're working on something like this, I mean, we've seen this with famed Hollywood writers that that pursue a film from one production and start the writing process and that production doesn't like it. So they move on. I mean, writing, we have to kind of view this as this is an artist working on a piece and they're putting their heart and their soul into it. And sometimes these writers don't like being told what to do. Sometimes there's some clashing. Uh, we've seen Disney being a big studio where it's like, okay, let's get on board or not. But if you're not on board, then, you know, sure. Thanks, but no thanks. They can throw their weight around when they feel they have to, right? To protect their properties. Absolutely. Right. And, and I don't think this necessarily means gloom and doom for Obi-Wan. I think it, and unless they find a writer within the next week, I, I think it will definitely slow down when reports were saying that they were going to start filming. Because, I mean, they were saying right. as early as the summer fall of this yeah. coming year. And I, I mean, I think that's going to get slowed down. So obviously this backs up when we're actually going to get the content. But other than that, I think that this property, it's it's too irresistible for them to stop. And they have an actor sure. who wants to reprise his role as Obi-Wan. So I think while they have all those things, it's going to be a priority to find someone that fits but i think that it's definitely going to be the person that fits and i think mm. they're going to be very selective with that and i think that the parting of ways with their multiple writers through across most of their projects now has shown that they want to get the perfect fit so we'll see how it goes down mm -hmm. in my opinion i don't think that any i think maybe one thing has gone wrong with them parting ways with the writer and of course they uh, I think they they kind of felt that later on, and yeah, I don't I don't think that this is going to end bad. I just think that right now sure. it, it's it's a little tough. Yeah, it's a course correction, so it doesn't say much about where the project will end up down the road, other than obviously, like you said, the the bit of a time delay. But yeah, it's a course correction. It's not a finality. It's not canceled. There's you know it hasn't completely fallen apart. It's um yeah, it's been put on pause. Now I'm gonna speculate a little bit because I think. We've seen enough credible reporting about how difficult it's been for Lucasfilm to really figure out how to crack the mold of how to make a, a Star Wars movie, like consistently, like uh, the, there've been so many pitfalls along the way that we've had enough time to learn the nuts and bolts of really what were causing some of those issues over the last few years that I think there's a little bit of room for some responsible speculation. So I'm just going to lay out a, a modest theory here. My hunch is that Obi-Wan probably never should have been announced in the first place. We know that the script had been in development for a long time, even, you know, like back with the initial batch of greenlit development scripts that they had or development concepts that they had, you know, they were going to do a bounty hunter thing. They were going to do an Obi-Wan thing. They were going to do a rogue one thing. They were going to do force awakens. Like that was their initial slate of projects. So we know that this has been stewing for a while. So we all assumed, well, it's been like five years, you know, it, it, they, they must have a rock solid script by now. Probably not so much. Mm -hmm. Uh, the reason why I think we all thought that the script was in good shape was because Kathleen Kennedy actually announced that, you know, several months back at a convention, she said, yeah, we're, we got great scripts. We're ready to go. You know, it's all full steam ahead. And you and McGregor standing there next to her, you know, grinning, happy that he doesn't have to play coy anymore with the fans. So we thought that it had had long enough to bake and it was just ready to go. It was going to be a, a slam dunk in the same vein as what we just saw with the, the Mandalorian. 
I have a feeling that maybe the reason why she announced that when she did was because Star Wars had taken so many black eyes mm-hmm. over the last little while that I think she needed something positive to offer the fans. And so I think maybe that announcement was premature and because it was premature, everything that has followed, whereas us on the outside have assumed things are rolling along. Great. I think now they're playing catch up. Now they're saying, okay, well we just made a commitment. Now we really got to pull this thing together. And at the same time, we know that there's been a lot of, uh, I wouldn't say controversy. I'm not going to be irresponsible like that, but there was a lot of focus put on trying to make rise of Skywalker. Great. And so there were a lot of chefs in the kitchen. So I know Kathleen Kennedy had her hands very, or, you know, she was just very busy trying to pull that together. So I wonder if the time that, and the tension that needed to be taken on pulling Obi-Wan together and making sure that that was off to a good start, uh, that just got backburnered because last minute crises with rise of Skywalker had to be dealt with. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause you know, that's a potentially billion plus dollar property. You can't fumble that. So yeah, I think she was all hands on deck with that. Obi-Wan didn't get the love and attention it needed. And well, now Rise of Skywalker's out. It is whatever it's going to be, but it doesn't require Kathleen Kennedy's attention anymore. And now she's looking at the scripts and she's going, oh, you know what? Uh, With maybe what we learned on Rise of Skywalker and what we learned on Mandalorian, maybe we are a little more wise about how we should be approaching these properties. And she's coming out, uh, yeah, a little bit more war weary from the, the last few times in the trenches. And she's thinking, you know what? I'm not putting this into production like solo and then finding out halfway through that, you know, we got creative differences or things weren't where they were supposed to be or rise of Skywalker. You know, that was something that was pushed into production with a script that was still very much in flux right up until they had to lock the print and, you know, get it off to the theater. So I think she's just trying to, figure out how to get one of these star Wars properties out the door with as little fuss as possible. And I think Mandalorian's the template. Yeah. They gave John Favreau enough time to get those scripts rock solid and the production lined up behind really good source material. And it was great. Yeah. And I think she's thinking, you know what? I'm not making that mistake again. Obi-Wan is not moving forward until I am a hundred percent confident that it's going to be everything that the fans want it to be. So I think this is just Kathleen Kennedy, playing it a little smarter as an executive. Mm -hmm. And so I respect the move actually, like as much as I have my misgivings about the rise of Skywalker. And I feel like there was a lot of missed opportunity there. And I think, you know, she has to share some blame for that as the studio head. Uh, I feel like putting the brakes on something before you're halfway through production, like rogue one or like solo or, you know, any of the other crazy production drama we've had in the past. That's a smart move. I don't know why any studio would ever put anything into production without being a hundred percent confident in their script. There's yeah. too much time and money on the line <laughs> to do that. And so, uh, yeah, I'm going to assume the best. I think this is Kathleen Kennedy doing her job well. And I hope that, you know, it bears the appropriate fruit. And whenever Obi-Wan hits Disney plus it's spectacular. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a healthy dose of speculation there, especially <laughs> since we kind of got a hint of that after, you know, of course, Solo didn't perform the way that right. they wanted it to. And then, the of course, uh, The Last Jedi had its problems with, with fans, critics, all sorts of stuff. And then, you know, Bob Iger comes out and says, yeah, we're just focusing. He, yeah. he kind of said it. We're putting everything on hold yeah. and focusing on the on the movie. So I think that's absolutely right. I don't think Kathleen yeah. Kennedy really got to look deep into the scripts. Maybe they were, they slid across her desk and she skimmed through every like concepts or something. But I think that this, she made the decision after she saw where it was going. 
I do think it was a mistake that they announced a writer in yeah, the first place. That's the real mistake. Yeah. Yeah. Because you can announce McGregor. You can announce, oh, yes, he's coming back. We got him in. Uh, he's because that's what the fans really cared about. We didn't care about yeah. who was necessarily writing yeah. it as long Just as they Just don't found say it. it's ready for production if it's not ready for production. Then, you, yep. then what you're doing is you're shooting from the hip. You're setting unrealistic expectations. And now you have to start rushing a project to either meet it or you have to course correct. And then it looks bad. So, uh, you know, she painted herself in a bit of a corner with that announcement. She was doing it probably because politically they needed something at, at the time. Uh, but now we're a little bit further down the road. There's another billion in the bank from rise of Skywalker and Mandalorian's a hit. And now she can stop and say, okay, I got to assert myself here and make sure that we roll these out. Well, mm-hmm. I hope that's what it is. And, uh, you know, as long as it isn't canceled, you know, I'll wait for a great TV property or a great movie. I would be more dismayed if I was hearing that the scripts weren't ready and everything was going wrong and there's misgivings on the set and they're pushing forward because Disney has given them a mandate to have it out in six months like that. That would be crushing because then I know that what we get is going to be half baked. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with this. Take the time you need, get it right. Please just don't fumble Obi-Wan because he's such a beloved character and you and McGregor is, you know, a fantastic get mm-hmm. to be able to hang a star Wars series on, get this one, right? Yeah. That's all I have to say. <laughs> I think I think that's good. Uh, we have some we have some new content that we are covering. It's it's a little bit old. It's a couple weeks old, but we are just now getting around to Star Wars Resistance. So should we yes. get into this next episode? We should because the uh, finale just dropped uh, yesterday, right? So yep. uh, we gotta we gotta keep plugging along here if we're gonna actually get it off our plate before Clone Wars season seven. So let's jump in. Today we are discussing season two, episodes fourteen and fifteen, and this one is episode fourteen, the mutiny. And in this episode, after the pirates become overwhelmingly frustrated with Doza's lockdown, they purchase battle droids to overthrow the Colossus. So this episode, it had its moments. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that. We maybe got too excited from the last episode we got to get back on track, but I guess this <laughs> kind of served its purpose. We kind of had these questions, okay, or at least in the back of our minds, like, all right, how loyal are, are the pirates? What exactly, right. what's their role? Are we just assuming that they're going to fight with the Colossus because that's where they are and they just happen to be on the ship when it darted away from the First yes. Order? So I think that this kind of presented itself with some dialogue that was i guess needed uh it might play into the final battle because as we know sonara asked that doza allows the pirates to leave at the end of this right other than that i mean it was it was an okay episode it was nice to see some of these clone war era battle droids come back and (laughs) see them and and the it, it seems that the disney era is tying everything together it's bringing things the old to the new uh that's that's what i like a lot about the disney era and what they're doing with star wars and so we see in this property that there's that connection you have of course the one battle droid that has the the roger roger voice from yes. revenge of the sith so everything everything sticks uh yeah it just wasn't exactly what i wanted from an episode but other than that yeah what did you think of this storyline here i didn't mind it i thought this was fun Obviously, like, I'm not going to harp on it because, you know, we, we beat a dead horse. We really want to know where the series is going and we really love the stuff with the first order. That's really where we've been getting the, the highest highs of the season, but obviously the show, that's not where they're thinking that they, they are going to continue to have subplots and side adventures and they're going to take their time getting to the finale. So if we can acquiesce and accept that this week, we're not getting any more like first order fare. 
then this was competent. You know, this was a perfectly good episode. It was fun that they kind of put Kaz in a box a bit and he's feeling a little jealous that they're leaning on Niku and Niku proves to be very shrewd. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a bit of a, a gotcha moment there at the end where Niku gets the upper hand. Like there were some fun moments I could see, you know, eight year olds, 10 year olds having a blast with this and maybe not seeing the, you know, the Niku twist coming a mile away as we probably did as, mm-hmm. as adults. Um, so I think this was competent. I think it was fun. I liked the prequel callbacks. I think it's hilarious that as soon as a star Wars movie turns 20, all of a sudden people love it unabashedly again, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, uh, whatever, you know, misgivings we had when it hit the theaters and it didn't meet our expectations, that's all forgiven. And now it's a classic. So it's cool that the prequels have finally hit that vintage where <laughs> they can be appreciated for the underlying story and the fun things that it established, you know, and you can leave the clunky dialogue back in the nineties. I, I think that's cool. So I like that we can embrace battle droids. Now we saw them in Mandalorian too. And, uh, you know, we can embrace, uh, the totally inept, uh, droids that get cut down like butter by the Jedi. Um, that was fun, very fun. And to pair up Niku with one of the battle droids or one of the, just, you know, the, whatever the generic infantry droids, not one of the super battle droids. I, I like that. I thought they had a great little back and forth where they, they kind of, I don't know, they're, they're kindred spirits in their obliviousness a little bit. And that was kind of fun. So I liked it. I liked it more than I expected. Not groundbreaking, but I had fun with this episode. Yeah. And I really enjoyed the theme that was introduced, of course, in Mandalorian from uh, Quill that basically droids are neither good nor yes, bad. It's just programming. Exactly. And so we see these battle droids that, of course, have been this this instrument of terror that the separatists use against everyone in the galaxy. And this is kind of the, the bad guys of the prequel trilogy before we get into the, like the main storyline in episode three. But you know, this was fun where Niku's like, Oh yeah, it's just programming. I could bypass the programming and basically make them security for the Colossus. That was, that was neat to see. Uh, it's something that, that kind of connects that thread, at least for me to where I see something in a more mature show, like the Mandalorian that's connected in this one. Mm-hmm. That was a lot of fun. I liked the, some of the comedy here, like, especially with the, when the pirates start their mutiny and you, we get that old alcoholic that we have in the whole show. And he, uh, you know, he just treats it like, Oh, it's just another Tuesday. Like, okay, yeah. I'm just gonna, I'm yeah. gonna keep drinking until they, Till they come after me. Uh, yeah, it was it was fun to see. Mm-hmm. It, it didn't really get to that that first order storyline, but yeah, this this shows what's going on in the Colossus. We at least this one wasn't like a one off episode where they're right. on some other planet dealing with yes. some ridiculous species or a ridiculous, yep. unneeded, almost unwarranted type of issue that we had in some of these other episodes. So this one made more sense for me, which is, I think is why I didn't have a problem with it because they didn't have to go out of their way to have this issue. Like this is something that's believable. Okay. You have pirates on a ship. What are they going to do eventually? Yeah. It's been brewing for a while. So Mm -hmm. it makes sense that we want some finality to the story of the pirates. And that was the other thing that I think was really working for it was, uh, even though it doesn't get back to our a plot, this is something that they could explore organically because they've already set the table with all of these characters. And we know that, uh, Doze has been butting heads with the pirates already. And we know that they've double crossed a few times. And we know that anytime there's an opportunity for them to create havoc, they're going to do it. So eventually that's going to wear thin and, and it's going to have to come to a head. So this was a great way to bring it to a head. And, uh, I, it's funny. I, I left the episode thinking, okay, this is kind of cool. They set up, a fun way for the Colossus to be able to defend itself because now 
that Colossus has all the battle droids. Yep. As we'll see in the next episode, those battle droids don't last too long. But I thought maybe that was a clever way of bringing in a bit more firepower for the finale. Uh, I don't think that's where they're going with it, but that's kind of why I thought maybe they brought a battalion of battle droids onto the station. Um, regardless, I feel like this was satisfying in that it took characters that we were interested in and it did something fun with them and it moved the plot forward. As far as we can tell, the pirates are out of the picture. Now they've been marooned effectively in that quadrant of space and uh, the Colossus can move on and, and hopefully, uh, you know, find uh, safer, safer harbors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it also, you know, sets the, sets the stage for Sonara. I think that that's going to play mm-hmm. into it where she made her official decision. Yeah, she she drew officially her chose the Colossus over the pirates. She's kind of been, you know, on, on the line or on the fence rather yeah. w- with these two, like, okay, yeah, the pirates, they, they saved me. So I'm loyal to them. But at the same time, the Colossus, she recognizes the greater good there. And it's yeah. kind of been a teeter totter for her. And this one, she made the official decision that the Colossus is, this is her new home. This is her new yeah. People, this she is found what, a better family, right? And so I right. think that that's that's definitely, if anything, is going to play into the finale. And from season one, we've always wanted to see more Sonara. We've been interested in her, so I think that she at least is going to be in this final battle. Maybe she recruits the pirates again in the final battle to eh. kind of save the day. I think their storyline's done. I I, I, I do don't too. think we're seeing the pirates again. <laughs> so yeah, let's go ahead and get into episode fifteen, the New World. Excellent. And in this episode, Kaz becomes troubled following the announcement that the Colossus has found a new home. The Aces are sent out to examine the new planet for any potential threats, which they find. Of course. So, from the very beginning, I thought that this was the perfect world for them to spend some time on because the animation is so Hmm. beautiful in this episode. Even from, I feel like that it kind of, it it comes and goes really uh, from how great it can be. Like we've always had good animation in the series. This, this has been top notch throughout the entire series, but this one, it just seems from that first shot, even of Kaz working on his ship, you know, it, and he comes out from underneath it and I'm like, Oh, you know, this is, this is really starting to, to catch my eye. And then all of a sudden we're on this great planet that just has these beautiful colors. Everything is well done. It It was just perfect. So that of course, this doesn't make me uh, mind much of the the one-offness again that we have, sure. but I think this is more establishing of a one-off than the uh, than our last episode was. Well, they found a new home. Like there, there was a major turning point in in mm-hmm. the the plot, right? Like the, now they have to make the tough decision of are we going to get comfortable here mm-hmm. or are we going to rejoin the fight? Yeah. So. Uh, I think this is, there's a bit more to this story than our, our, you know, some of the earlier season adventures that we were a little cool on. Yeah. And, uh, we get, we, cause we haven't actually had much of Griff's backstory in, in this whole show since he's been introduced in season mm. one. Right. I think yeah. this was the first time that we hear why he left. You know, you have the fragments of the empire and eager basically says, Hey, you know, come live with us and, and do something else with your talents rather than work for this fractured and you know crumbling empire yeah. crumbling empire and and he does and he continues to wear his imperial suit his stormtrooper suit if you will and that comes back to bite him finally <laughs> yes. like we're finally yeah. wondering when is this going to affect his encounters with people i mean the guy has an empire tattoo on his yeah. arm and walks around <laughs> with a uh, a skull painted uh stormtrooper helmet like it 
that was always my thing. Like, okay, why are people just trusting him? Like, are we just mm-hmm. expecting that this is more of a trophy for him that he's wearing around? Oh, no, he actually did serve in the Empire. Why is he still wearing this suit? Like, this is just so weird. So this one, the species, of course, picks up on it because they were attacked by the First Order and probably the Empire before that. And yeah, this is obviously to them, they're like, oh, he's a he's an enemy. There's that misunderstanding there. Uh, I liked that that this planet was home to an old rebellion outpost. I think that that's kind of poetic to everything else that we've been getting in this Disney era. Of course, we have Crate, which was another planet like this. So it's, it's kind of nice to see these different rebellion outposts that were, that were spread across the galaxy that we didn't get to see in the original trilogy. That we're kind of getting to see now, like we get these references from Crate. That of course that was that was one of them, and then of course this planet uh, was another rebellion outpost, and it 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 was fun to see. It was fun to watch this one. Of course, uh, had a little more at 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 stake than the last episode did, and we see those battle droids get get cut yes. through like butter, but instead by Jedi, they're by this cool new species. Uh, I enjoyed. Mm. This new species here, I think that that's another thing that has some nice things going for this new era of Star Wars, is that we're seeing so many new species. And, you know, we don't get to spend a whole lot of time with them, but we get a lot of them. Uh, we get the old species as well. But this this has been fun. This episode I enjoyed. I, I really, like I said, that animation was just great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great art direction. Absolutely. Yeah. So how did you take in this episode? What How do you think this is going to play into the bigger story? Yeah, so I, I think I already kind of just laid out what I think the biggest plot point is because Kaz telegraphs it a bit at the end of the episode, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's feeling uneasy because he knows that as much as this place is seductive, like the idea of being able to just set up on a beautiful tropical paradise and live a quiet, peaceful life, as much as that might tug on your heartstrings, he knows that the galaxy isn't going to just go to sleep you know the the battle is going to rage on with or without them and he has a call to duty he knows deep down that there's no avoiding it either they're gonna have to stand up and and continue on with the resistance or probably you know the fight's gonna come to them one way or another they're in it and he just knows that you can't really like shirk your responsibility or sit on the sidelines that way um so yeah there's there's a really satisfying moment of uh personal growth there on kaz's part at the end of the episode where he really just kind of sums up what i i think everyone on the station must be feeling or you know at least doza and tor and you know our heroes of the story they realize as beautiful as it is there's there's bigger issues going on in the galaxy so uh they may be here for a few episodes but one way or another i think they're getting back in the fight and i think kaz is going to be up to the challenge because you can tell that he's starting to get that fire in his belly that you know that spark of rebellion that uh you know broom boy and so many others before him Mm -hmm. (laughs) had so um that's kind of i think what they're saying is yeah it's inevitable that we're going to be reaching a conclusion here yeah, and that's a really interesting theme because at the moment they're not being affected by this war that's going on, but mm. they know that it is affecting the rest of the galaxy and eventually it's going to end with that with the superior power taking over everything again or they're going to have to respond and and fight for what they believe in and fight to protect the beauty that they've just discovered. I mean, I think right. this is kind of the 
the theme of the good guys throughout all Star Wars. We see these beautiful places and we see the theme of the the hero wanting to protect it, but recognizing like, I can't get comfortable here. I can't just sit around and do nothing like that's not an option for me. And so it's mm-hmm. nice to see Kaz, who's at times very clumsy and at times very immature and makes the bad decision. He's he's kind of speaking truth to Yeager and Doza yes. when he's saying like, hey, we're eventually going to have to face this. I mean, the First Order isn't going to stop looking for us because they can't find us roaming around and getting in trouble with the different pirates and different bounty hunters and all this sort of, right. sort of stuff. So that's not going to make the first order just stop. We know of course, from Hux's statement, they want all fueling stations. So this isn't going to make them just stop. They know too much about the first order. They of course have Intel and we'll see how this plays out because we don't know what Tam is going to give them or what she's going to refuse to give them. But yeah, it, we know that this is going to end in a war. I mean, it's star Wars resistance for it. It's definitely going to end with this finale. So sure. I don't know if it's going to end like we originally speculated with them responding in Exegol, but it, who knows how this is going to go through. It could just be a little mini battle that they have with the first order that's at, that's occurring at the same time. But something is going to happen that's going to be big. We, of course, know that the Supreme Leader Kylo Ren appears in some aspect of this of this show. <laughs> Sometime in the next four episodes, Kylo Ren will be a factor in one of these episodes. Yeah, and, and now that we're this close to, to the finale, I am going to say that we're going to get his hologram in the finale. At first, I was kind of hoping, like, oh, yeah, it might be in the next episode or the next one. With being four away, I think it's going to be our our finale moment and this is going to be kind of the call to arms for for both sides you know get the colossus or perish i think that he's going to come in uh give commander pyre his his last resort like get it now or you're in trouble mm-hmm. so i yeah i think and and that could be going on at the same time as the events that occurred in the rise of skywalker so we don't know how exactly the timeline is going to match up with this latest film but i think with Filoni still being pretty involved in this show, that it's going to, I think it's going to tie in really nice. And I think that that our problems that we had with it, I, I don't think it's necessarily going to tie in like we're going to be an exegol, but I think it's going to be at a comfortable point where we will at least have more sense of when this is going on. Sure. Because we kind of been, okay, it's going on at the same time. Because we know the that one episode, I think it was the first episode of this season, it's going on at the same time as the last Jedi and there's right. been some time passed and I don't think we have a sense of how much time exactly. We only have one year to cover. So we have to assume that there's somewhere around the halfway point. We know they're mm-hmm. past the last Jedi time frame. Yeah. We know that it's Supreme leader Kylo Ren at this point. So, you know, Snoke's been cut down. Uh, so yeah, it's sometime between the two movies. Uh, I don't think we need to know much more than that. I'm less and less confident in thinking that, there's going to be any amazing dovetailing between the finale of this and the rise of Skywalker, because now that we've seen the rise of Skywalker and I've had a little bit of distance from it and you hear a bit about just how much they were still developing late into the production of that. I don't think anyone had time to stop and convey that, Mm -hmm. you know, to the other Lucasfilm productions. And it doesn't sound like even the rise of Skywalker entirely knew how it was going to end. Like it seemed like they were still, rejiggering so i don't think that the people working on resistance could really be confident in putting something on screen like committing something to animation here that could potentially change at the last minute with a production that's was so much in flux like rise of skywalker was so i think they're gonna 
keep a healthy distance. You know, I think there's a few set in stone story beats that they can rely on, which is we know that one way or another, um, you know, the resistance rebuilds in a year and has a big battle. So I think, you know, there may be talk of that, or, you know, you may see some aspects of that general idea conveyed, but I don't think we're going to Exegol. I, I don't think that the show could be confident enough to do anything that specific. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll find out in a few episodes. Yeah. And, and I, I'm more so getting away from the Exegol thing, even though, we had some rumors come out that, of course, the Colossus was one of those ships in the background, whatever it was. Like, I'm not taking too much, too no. much of that anymore, just because I don't think anyone even knew that Exegol was a thing until the movie came out. I don't think, I don't think Abrams was sharing concept art with the rest of, you know, the the various branches of Lucasfilm. I think maybe, maybe a few people, like maybe Filoni, kind of saw what was going on. But other than that, I don't, I don't think we got anything because I mean, my well, there's speculation a, there's an was, inner circle that are going to be privy to the scripts. Like, you know, it's not it, when Abrams has things under lock and key, it doesn't mean that the executives across Lucasfilm couldn't access that information. If someone involved in resistance came to uh, them and said, yeah, we want to do something fun for a finale. What, what can we work in? There probably were a few safe story mm-hmm. elements that if they'd wanted to work in, they could. I just, I just don't think that they would have been, I don't, I don't think. Uh, the people working on Rise of Skywalker could confidently tell them when they were working on these episodes, which, you know, like these episodes were in production months ago as well. So it's not like they went and watched Rise of Skywalker and said, okay, let's write our finale, right? Like right. this is all, we're all talking a year ago. So um, at that point, I don't think anyone involved with Rise of Skywalker could confidently tell them absolutely what they could rely on seeing on the screen to be able to, you know, do anything too cool. So, at this point we are knee deep in speculation the thing is if we wanted to we could just end this podcast and go watch the finale right now so (laughs) there are answers to these questions and we will obviously be discussing them for our audience over the next couple weeks uh but for now yeah we'll just we'll just have to chalk it up to wait and see now what i really want to see even even though we it's probably past this point i mean i would like to see phasma again i don't think uh, that could happen and if that does well no you, you can't because she died in she died in last jedi right but if this really well, phasma never dies right she yeah. just falls in holes <laughs> or 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 it becomes something where oh, i mean i guess we we at least have a sense that multiple days have at least passed even months on the colossus because i think they've said that yeah. a couple times so yeah well yeah i don't think we could absolutely actually get her but we also know that snoke's ship which uh, Phasma was on when she, you know, when it got devastated by the Holdo maneuver and then, you know, Finn Bester, we know that all that happened within hours or days of yeah, what happened right. with the dreadnought at the beginning of that movie. Right. Because it was this, this slow chase that didn't involve hyperspace. Right. It was yep. just, you know, we're just plodding along here, you know, just trying to get away here. And we know that that only lasted so long. Um, so there's no situation where those events in last Jedi haven't already transpired by yeah weeks or months. So, uh, I don't think Phasma's coming back. I think that the idea was that she was officially done yep. in last Jedi. Yeah. I think that that's probably accurate. Uh, I, the only thing, cause I don't think they're necessarily going, they can't explicitly tell us that we're at an hour and two minutes into the rise of Skywalker <laughs> in this scene. So I think yeah. that, that are our keys that I'm going to be personally looking for is, is it Kylo Ren with a mask or without a mask? Because that, of course, 
provides well, some context. We already saw it in the we already saw it in the trailer. Yeah. So he's without. without. So yeah. do we see do we see him again? Is that the only time we see him? Uh, do we see Hux again? Because if we see Hux, that of course will provide some context as to where we're going. I think yeah. There there's a reason that people like Pyre, who's this golded plated stormtrooper, didn't appear in the Rise of Skywalker because it would make sense to have that gold plated stormtrooper appear if there was a huge battle so yeah all those things could well, could play out we're, we're assuming that abrams and his uh co-writer on rise of skywalker have any idea who the resistance characters are now like that's <laughs> i think that's why he's not in the movie <laughs> right i think that maybe we could see some of the sith troopers because we know that those things were announced oh like you know what i have a, a i actually have a question for you mm-hmm. the alien creatures in this episode one of the reasons why they assume they're bad guys is because they see the Imperial tattoo and yep. they have that helmet that was left over from whenever they were uh, ravaged by the first order. Now, my question is the first Order's symbol is not the same as the empires. No, it is not. And yet they said he wears the symbol of the people that attacked us. So this is where if, you know, right. it, uh, it, it could just be a plot contrivance. It could just be they gloss over the fact that bad guys wear black and they have sort of a weird circular logo and close enough bad humans in black. That that could have been the extent of where they were, you know, trying to, to point us with, with that little bit of dialogue. But if we wanted to speculate, it could also mean that the final order, as it were, which is akin to the empire, right? Like they're, they're officially back in, you know, in full on empire mode. It's very possible that maybe one of the preliminary moves that Palpatine felt he had to do, or, you know, his allegiant general felt he had to do was make sure that they covered all their bases and, you know, literally wiped out any vestiges of the rebellion that they had Intel on. Mm -hmm. So it very well could be uh, small skirmishes on the part of the final order that actually devastated this, this rebel base. Possible. I mean, if you really wanted to read into a throwaway piece of dialogue, it's possible. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we, we don't, I, I, I don't think there's any way to know at this point whether the, the show is shooting that high. Yeah. Well, like you said, we could find out when we're done recording this. However, <laughs> sure. I'm going, I'm going to extend a little bit. I'm going to not watch ahead until mm-hmm. the time for our episodes to record. Yeah. So me as well. I'm going to watch the next two, but I'm not going to watch the finale until after we record the next one. Cause I don't want our conversation to wink and yep. be like, we know where it's going. And you know, then the conversation gets kind of muddy when you actually know the conclusion. So I'm going to stay, you know, true and, uh, only watch ahead to what we're covering for the next show. Yeah. Well, this was a fun episode there. We have a couple of questions that haven't been answered yet. And hopefully those things would be at least teased out. We'll at least see what time frame we're dealing with in this finale how close it gets to this battle on Exegol because yeah, we know that's where it all ends. That's where it all comes Mm -hmm. to an end. Yeah. It would just be really interesting to get some of these answers. I'm curious to see what's going on. I'm excited for these last couple episodes that we have before us. Yes. I'm excited. Well, John, where can the people find you? Well, I uh, produce a podcast called SNL after party. You can find it in all your major podcasting apps. Uh, we cover Saturday night live. It's a good show by all means. Come check it out. We're releasing our 101st episode this week, covering Adam driver's third hosting gig on the show with musical guest Halsey. And, uh, it was a good episode. So it was fun to talk about by all means, come find us, check it out. SNLpodcast.com. 
And you can keep up with this show throughout the week on Twitter at Star Wars TV Talk and by emailing us at hello at Star Wars TV Talk.com. You can find our other episodes online at Star Wars TV Talk.com and by searching for Star Wars TV Talk wherever you get your podcasts. And please do not forget to leave us a five star review. You can find more TV Talk podcasts at TV Talk.fm. Thank you so much for listening and may the force be with you always. <laughs>